Welcome back to the Vine Church podcast. Today, we will be continuing our devotional series, The Gospel According to Zechariah. If you haven't already, you can find us on YouTube at the Vine Church Heart, and we'd love to have you join us over there. Welcome back to our devotionals in uh, Zechariah. I hope you're well this morning. I'm certainly enjoying the change in weather with the sun and being out with the, the birds singing. It's really nice. So let's uh, let's get into the Bible this morning as we go through Zechariah. This morning we're in Zechariah chapter 3. And this is probably one of my favorite chapters in uh, in the Bible. I just think this, this vision is, is so profound. It's so rich. There's so much in it to unpack. And so over the next few days, we're just going to work our way through chapter 3 and, and see the different elements in it and how they really apply to us. This is one place, you know, there's a phrase that, I've heard people use before that Jesus whispers on every page of the Old Testament. Well, this is a chapter where Jesus is shouting from the Old Testament. So let's uh, let's read it. We're just going to read Zechariah 3, uh, verses 1 to 3. It says this, Then the angel showed me Joshua, the high priest, standing before the angel of the Lord. The accuser, Satan, was there at the angel's right hand, making accusations against Joshua. And the Lord said to Satan, I, the Lord, reject your accusation, Satan. Yes, the Lord who has chosen Jerusalem rebukes you. This man is like a burning stick that has been snatched from the fire. Joshua's clothing was filthy as he stood there before the angel. So we're introduced to this vision, this scene of the high priest of Jerusalem, the high priest of Judah, there in the presence of God. And he's standing, there's that kind of intimacy with God. And this is really a scene very similar to Job chapter one. If you've ever read the book of Job, it starts with a vision of God's throne room and God there with uh, his people. And then just like in Job, there comes Satan, the accuser. And so this, this picture of kind of intimacy of Joshua with the Lord he serves, you know, there's, there's, there's distinction there. He's, he's not, equal to the Lord he's you know there's respect and there's reverence and he's distant from the Lord but still it's a picture of intimacy as he's there with the Lord whom he serves and then the kind of foreign character to the vision is as Satan comes in and and literally uh in in Hebrew he's called the Satan the uh, the word meaning accuser so he's introduced as the accuser he's come in to accuse Joshua before God, accuse the high priest of God's people before God. It doesn't say what his specific accusations are, but you know it, it's not a stretch to say that he's probably accusing him of being unfit for his role, of being unfit to serve as a priest to God, of being unfit to stand in the presence of often happen in a court of law. This is kind of Satan looking at Joshua and not just saying, oh, it's my opinion that he's not great, He's looking at him and he's saying legally he is unfit to do his job. He is unfit to be in your presence. Now, what's interesting is our gut reaction is to say something like this. Satan, the accuser and the liar. He's come in here and he's lying about, uh, about Joshua. He's making him out to be unfit for ministry. But God's going to say the truth. And God does indeed respond, but what we see is this, Satan is telling the truth. Satan comes to accuse him of his unfitness, 
And what God's response is, is not, no, he's perfectly good. I mean, in verse three, it says Joshua is standing in filthy clothes. And, and the Hebrew word for filthy there is literally the word for excrement. In other words, these aren't just, you know, they don't just have a few stains on. He is standing there in horrible, dirty rags when the high priest is supposed to be clothed in pure vestments. God even says, is this man not a stick that's been snatched from the fire? In other words, yeah, he was in the fire. Joshua belongs to be, uh, he deserves to be burning. And so Satan's accusations are actually true. But here's the, here's the thing. Satan is using the truth, not because he cares about the truth, but for his own end. And this is really important for us to understand because we, like Joshua, also may be subject to Satan coming to accuse us, to speak things to us, to make us feel a certain way. God and Satan use the truth in very distinct ways. I mentioned the book of Job earlier. Let's let's think about the book of Job. At the end of the book of Job, you said that we see that God brought all these things upon Job. But at the beginning of the book, the devil comes and asks. And so you say, well, who is it, God or the devil? Well, both. But the intention in doing it is entirely different. Satan doesn't want Job to just suffer because he likes people suffering. His aim is that in suffering, he will be led to sin and curse God. So what Job's constantly encouraged to do. I'll just curse God and die. And Job says, no, I'm not going to do it. That's what Satan wants. He doesn't care if you're comfortable or if you're suffering, just so long as you're cursing God, he's pleased. I mean, for instance, one of the reasons why Satan is so uh, happy with so many people being uh, affluent and satisfied in their own right is because the one person they're not seeking is God. He's not going, oh, that's not fair that they're rich. I want them to be, I want them to be suffering. No, he, he doesn't care. Comforting, suffering, doesn't matter. He wants you to curse God. God, on the other hand, is using the suffering in Job to shape Job, just as he uses it with us, to shape us, to be his people, to learn to rely on him in suffering. You have that beautiful verse from Job where he says, though he uh, tears me down, though he strikes me, though he slays me, yet I will praise him. The suffering is hard, but it becomes fuel for praise. And so you have Satan and God using suffering for entirely different ends. If you think about John 16, Jesus says that he's sending the Spirit. And when the Spirit comes, he will convict the world concerning righteousness, convict the world of our, of our sin. In, in 2 Thessalonians, for instance, Paul talks about hearing the word from the Spirit with full conviction. In other words, the Spirit comes to tell us things which are not right in our life. Well, who else does that? Satan. He comes to point out our failings and our shortcomings, just as he does to Joshua. He comes to stand and accuse us like he does to Joshua. Now, at the same time, the Spirit's called the, the comforter. We shouldn't get it in our heads. That means, well, the Spirit says nice things and Satan says mean things. No, it's the intention that affects which one's the accuser and which one's the comforter. When the Spirit comes to convict us of sin, the Spirit comes to draw us to repentance, to leave behind sin, which damages our relationship with God and ultimately damages us. When Satan comes to convict us of our sins, it's not because he wants us to be restored or more reliable, more reliant on God or put to death our sin. He wants us to feel condemned 
to feel weighted under the weight of our sin. Two very things. Now, some people have kind of fallen into the trap of saying, well, Satan's always a liar. So um, and so when Satan comes to me and tells me I'm a sinner, you know, I'm, I'm just going to say, no, you're a liar. I'm not a sinner. Now, at, at best, this is just naivety. We are sinners, and actually Satan is using the truth there, boosting it. At worst, it's simply lying, and it's just responding to the liar with more lies. I mean, 1 John chapter 1 says, anyone says that he has no sin in him, he is deceived and does not speak the truth. Think about that song, um, Before the Throne of God Above, when it says, when Satan uh, tempts me to despair and tells me of the guilt within, What's implied there is that, yes, there is guilt within, but that guilt is being dealt with by God, by God's spirit. Think about Romans 8, for instance, where it says, who can bring a charge against God's elect? Who can accuse those whom God has justified? It is God who justifies. It's a fantastic way of saying, yeah, there are things uh, in your life which are wrong, but it's not for anyone except God through the spirit and, and the spirit through the church to convict and draw those things to the surface. I love what Martin Luther says. Martin Luther says this, when Satan tells me I am a sinner, he comforts me immeasurably since Christ dies for sinners. So it's a wonderful way of, of, uh, of putting it. Yes, Satan comes and he speaks the truth but in order to further his goal of lies, in order to turn us from God, but God speaks the truth in order to restore us, to bring us to him. And over the next few days, we're going to look at how God answers Satan's accusations, how he acts. But as Christians, it's important for us to be uh, mature about this situation, about this, uh, this uh, subject, to realize Satan does come and accuse us and as I say, it's important not to either respond to it with lies or, or naivety, to be grounded in what God says, to know what God speaks over us despite our status as sinners. We are also justified. We're also called those whom God has seated in the heavenly places. That's what Ephesians 2 says. I love what John Calvin says on these verses. He says, uh, God says this to Satan. Is it possible for you to pull down from heaven him who you could not detain in hell? God has us in heaven. Satan has no right to come and take us from there. And so our, our responsibility is to do what Ephesians 6 tells us to do, to put on the armour of God, to be aware of the attacks of the devil, to not be naive, but to be grounded in the truth, to use our knowledge of our fallenness, of the fact that we stand in filthy clothes like Joshua, not as a, 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 a cause for self-pity or as a cause for just saying, well, this is how it is, so I'm a sinner, so I may as well embrace it. But to use that as a uh, as fuel to push into what God has spoken over us, to push into the fact that God has justified us in his sight. And so to put to death the sinful body and go after righteousness. That's the challenge that Satan's accusations bring to us. So let's respond to that in prayer. Heavenly Father, Make us strong, we pray, when the enemy comes to accuse us, when he comes to remind us of our shortcomings. Lord, help us not to bury our head in the sand, but to realise that, yes, we do fall short of your presence. We don't deserve to stand there. 
that thankfully the requirements have been met, that legal requirement has been met by Jesus Christ on our behalf, that you have given us your spirit to transform us, to make us more in your image. Well, we pray that we would welcome the conviction of the spirit, we would welcome the, the challenge of the spirit when it comes to when he comes to remind us of the things which are not good in our life. But Lord, teach us that not every um, not the conviction is not accusation, or that the spirit comes to equip us to change us. Lord, remind us of that. Keep us open and receptive to your corrective words. We pray. Amen. <laughs>